Hi, I'm the bitch who's got to ask, did you manifest that, or was it just white privilege? Condé Nasty. And I'm beloved character actress Margot Martindale. It's Ursula the Sea Bitch. And this is Reading Drag Race, the show where we talk about whatever we want. But mostly RuPaul's Drag Race. Hey, Ursula, how are you? I'm doing, you know, okay. It's a rough. Yeah. W- it was a rough week. Work was stressful, and all of the nonsense coming out of the state of Wisconsin. It. I was so angry that it lapped around to despondent about the world. So that that was a rough forty eight hours for me. But I'm I'm doing okay now. I I made a lot of food this weekend, and it was very tasty. So you know, good with the bad. Yeah, I've been eating my feelings and playing Animal Crossing. Um, yeah, and. I love my husband very much. Early in quarantine, it felt like a second honeymoon. Uh, I do not feel... It's not him, but it is like, who I'd like some alone time where I could like exercise in the living room without you trying to turn it into foreplay. Just like a moment alone <laughs> um, would be nice. Yeah, Which I've... is a nice problem to have. Yeah. Truth, like, truthfully. But. Yeah, I just bought uh, City Skylines, the spiritual successor and improvement to SimCity. And that's been my... Uh quarantine video game lately i spent like half an hour carefully restructuring an off-ramp from a highway and it was very meditative very soothing i get it i think i think the reason i need to step away from animal crossing is i think the days where i wake up and i'm energized and i'm like i'm gonna create this project or that project and come up with something constructive to do and i'm like invigorated the like i woke up a saturday morning and decided to like clean out the closet energy if i wake up in that mood Boy, do I get a lot done in Animal Crossing that day. Which is like, okay, maybe that means it's time to put it down, Queen. Like, the drag show that your avatar is is giving you right now is unnecessary. Anyways. That was great. Yeah. Anyways. uh, So we're here to talk about uh, RuPaul's Drag Race Season 12, Episode 12, Only Five Queens Remaining. And Heidi just went home. The queens re-enter the workroom. Uh, and Jada is very sweet talking about Heidi's departure and then the lights go out and I've got to admit for a second I definitely thought it was going to be a return of return of the missing queens moment oh yeah I I expected that to be like the update of the two-way mirror gag yeah and then it was like nope they're in they're in the untucked room and then cut to the credits that apparently really happened (laughs) someone didn't world of wonder didn't pay the light bill (laughs) No reveal is the new reveal, girl. <laughs> it was it was phenomenal. I loved it. I was I was gonna say it's 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 we're the cutting edge of drag. It's a, a radio based drag show, so I think that's really where it's going. <laughs> All right, so then we Rue comes into the workroom the next day, and we have the mini challenge, which is the Las Vegas Showgirl mini challenge. You know, you've noted before about the quick drag. They always used to say you've twenty minutes, and I noticed. This season, I think a lot more often it's, I haven't been like counting, but I think it's always like you've got 30 minutes and it used to always be you've got 20 minutes. And I do feel like this season, giving the girls 30 minutes makes the quick drag a lot closer to drag. Yeah. Um, But Jada looked fishy as fuck. What did you think of the mini challenge? It was cute. They all did what, you know, like... Serviceable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sherry's outfit was very weird it was like the padding really was like what what is happening what 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 is happening her padding Um, is always weird yeah we're not talking about it because we barely see her but it is weird yeah other than that you know gg won just because i think she picked a different color than the other queens so she literally stood out but 
<laughs> yeah, I didn't know how much I believed that she won that. If anything, it seemed like Jackie's little Merkin cooing thing was the most like old timey yeah. stripper, sort of mocked in a draggy way. Yeah. Um, but whatever. We, how many mini challenges can Jackie really win? So then we get into the maxi challenge where the girls have to record live music and dance to choreographed numbers, uh, working with the wonderful Leland and Jamal, who choreographed the RuPaul's Vegas show. Um, what did you think about... I mean, this is a standard la- final five challenge at this point, correct? It's, yeah, this has become like the the, fi- the standard thing. Do a... Do a uh... Do your own verses and then dance to them and make us feel things. Um, I gotta say, when this one started, I was a little skeptical that it would just feel like ham-fisted product placement, and maybe in a good way. But God, I kind of, I really want to see this fucking Vegas show now. Like it's to the extent it was ham-fisted product placement. Boy, did it work! <laughs> uh, truthfully, I think a lot of why I want to see this show is. So some of RuPaul's Drag Race best alums to do Vegas show sorts of performances are the ones there. I'm not saying the girls there are like the fan favorites or the most popular, but they like I've seen the the videos of like Vanji doing her rehearsal dance with like ten stunning shirtless bans- backup dancers. Like, and Leland and Jamal Sims are so talented that more than anything, I want to see it for them. Because I feel like they re- both really know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I saw the live-action Aladdin recently. And say what you want about the movie. Jamal Sims did all the choreography for it. Choreography was on fucking point. I gotta say, this was... It felt like we spent a lot of time... Like, I'm gonna clock the editing problem again for having to edit around Sherry. Because it felt like we spent a great deal of time on each and every one of them doing their verse and doing their rehearsal. Like, normally that's a little more... Even when it's down to this few queens, it's still a little more concise and there's a little more focus on who I should be focusing on. So even when we're only down to five people to get to the top four, in other seasons it felt that the cutting together of the rehearsal footage was more cohesive. And I just noticed... And maybe it's because of the 90-minute format as well, but just... Wow, by by about the third or fourth run through of the same rehearsal, it's like we know these queens can at least adequately dance. Jamal Sims is a good, patient teacher, but we watch like the same little one act play play out literally four times in a row. Are you talking about like with each individual girl they're doing yeah. a one act play of them struggling? Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, I mean I would agree with that and I feel like it's sort of a thing they do every time and then at a certain point i'm trying to remember what season they started doing it where they just decided the fans want to see a show we're providing them a show if the girls are struggling with choreography and we can give them two more days to rehearse let's do that so that it's better such that the rehearsal we see and then the final product we see they have like a few days of actual rehearsing so we really don't know you know like we and and frankly i think it's a wise to show a more like stunning final product where everybody kind of knows their steps. Um, but I agree with you. It is the same like four act play. I don't, you kind of keep attributing it to Sherry. Sherry's one of what was it? 13 Queens total in this season. And I know as we whittle down her character being like only there when it's critical affects things, but like 
if anything, I feel like there's something that feels more honest about the chaoticness of the, the editing around Sherry to me. Um, like, I know we're missing Sherry, so that's less information disclosed, but I kind of feel like that means they're not as linear with their story arcs. To me, just overall, though, the show always has this, like, we're rehearsing, and, ooh, I'm struggling, and now I'm great. And I feel like I've seen that, like, 50 times now, that it's no longer compelling, and it's no longer, yeah. like, you're deflecting me. But, like, show. I mean, it makes sense that they'll show us some of the some of the rehearsal. What did you think about the discussion in the workroom about report card and how the season has gone and who's changed the most and all that jazz? I thought it was interesting that they all say Crystal had changed the most. And I thought it was funny that Gigi was like, it's going to come down to report cards. So bye, Jackie. It was so nice knowing you. Like that, that whole thing was odd to me. It's it's weird because it's been such a it's been such a good season and everyone's been so good. And I think uh, most improved is Heidi, and she already went home, so it's almost. I like agree. A, when they asked that, I was like, Heidi, the girl who just left, Heidi. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I also feel like Crystal Method does phenomenal, like monster, like beautiful creature, like not just like verging on clown, often actually clown drag that really does get a crowd reaction and like. What she has done in terms of creating a drag scene in Springfield, Missouri is, like, truly noteworthy and exceptional and, like, commendable. She came to this show and had to calibrate her much more avant-garde artistry to, like, the pageant pretty that Michelle and Rue wanted. And it took her a couple weeks to, like, recalibrate appropriately. The idea that, like, to me... The narrative in this episode, like, she's grown a lot, is kind of nuts. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, she was an amazing artist when she got here. She, like, toned it down for your palette. Let's not, let's not pretend. But that was, that was my take on that. All right, let's move on to the main stage performance. Uh, What, it was a three-act musical moment, which I think is the longest we've had of this sort with only these many people, but I could be wrong, but uh, it was interesting. I didn't, it's not what I expected. What did you think of it? I liked it and on Val, I actually, yeah, actually I really liked it. Uh, like I said, this made me want to go see the Vegas show. And uh, I don't like, I liked the mirror number. I thought that really worked. I thought it, it walked the right line. It's very easy to tip into schmaltzy or stupid when you're trying to portray honest emotion yeah. in this setting. And I thought they landed it. All of them singing into the mirror really worked. Uh, the makeup and costuming really worked. Yeah, just it, it, it was a it was a I was surprised by how much I found that an effective number. And it also kind of was a nice setup for it was a nice uh, change of pace for the then eventual big number they all do. Uh, so it's like, yeah, as a cohesive piece of entertainment, you have a narrative arc for everyone. You have levels in your tempo and tone, and all of it ended up really I working. I completely agree with all that. I thought the intro number where they came in their walk in their like walk-in outfits, and they had the yeah, luggage, yeah. and it's very like manic and excited, and like you know, I just made it to the big city kind of energy. I thought that was really campy and fun, and they all performed the fuck out of it and i i feel that the fact that drag race is now the biggest thing in the it's it's in its industry and a launching pad 
an iconic launching pad, it is a point where it is appropriate to be self-referential in a way that acknowledges that. And I feel like this season, in many ways, the show finally has, including having that number, yeah. which I loved. Yeah, The mirror moment was by far my favorite. I thought it did such a good job of portraying emotional vulnerability, particularly Jackie and Gigi, I think, like, made so many small choices with their facial expression that really sold what they were singing. And I felt like the number itself communicated a tremendous amount about the queer experience. What that is, like, accessible broadly to a lot of us, but what stood out to me is that it's almost most closely connects to like a trans experience which is interesting yeah um in context so i i really loved that that softer central number uh everyone's rap numbers were pretty good um i thought everyone turned in a pretty good performance only i didn't like sherry's outfit i i agree with michelle that that wasn't like the right look for its place in the show it should have been a bigger Absolutely. outfit, which is ironic, given that it's given Sherry's other looks. I loved Cr- Crystal. That was amazing. Like that kind of acrobatics is not easy, and it's not just people lifting you up. You have to do a lot to make that look good and not get yep. yourself killed. You really do. Like, well done, well done, madam. I'm having trouble remembering specific lines, but I remember liking everyone's. Um, lyrics pretty much i thought they did a good job jada i jada was struggling the most in the rehearsal and i think it was clear she was still a little in her head about doing it but she delivered with enough verve that i think it it landed and she looked fucking gorgeous i felt like i don't know i feel like this is sort of my my constant statement on this season is like everybody did good some people did great it is like uh we're gonna have to split hairs when we judge moment, yeah. which it has been for several weeks now, which is because that's the level these girls are performing at. I felt like uh, Crystal lyrics, it, it seemed like she had the smallest part and was saying the least. But I could be misremembering that. And she also, she wasn't moving as energetically as the backup dancers, so it stood out a little. Um, and I felt like Sherry doesn't really give layers in her facial expressions when she performs. Like, I feel like Jackie and Gigi are so good at, like, emoting and communicating so much whenever they're on stage. Um, Whether or not they're doing a good job in whatever else they're doing, I think they are performing in a way that connects with an audience. And I feel like Sherry really doesn't to me. Like, she has campy big facial expressions, but there's kind of a dead-in-the-eyes quality that, like, she didn't. I didn't really connect with her doing it. Um, so for me, I was most underwhelmed with Crystal and Cherry's performances, but I agree. I think everybody did a great job. All right. Do you want to get into the runway? Yeah. Okay. So Rue's look is lovely. She's been killing it all season. This is another great look. What'd you think? Loved her hair. Her hair was gorgeous. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. Um, and Jamal Sims is the guest judge sort of feeling that Todd call. It's a family affair for the last five feel, yeah. um, which was nice. And I love, I love that he said, like that he gambles and he always puts it all on black. I I love a little like black solidarity moment coming from Jamal Sims. He is, he seems so sweet and so sexy. Anyways, I was digging his uh, like plaid suit 
over i like a nice uh plaid overcoat situation so that was he looked very handsome yeah no there's something <laughs> like um there's something about jamal sims that feels very like sensual dance instructor you know where it's like he's sexy because you can tell he'd be such a tender lover but i digress <laughs> Well, you, you learn a lot about a man the way he holds you on the dance floor. I agree. He he would dip you and it would feel lovely. I, um, I agree. <laughs> Let's get into it's uh, eleganza extravaganza was the category. Which is a great category, which just means look your best. <laughs> yes. So what did you think of the runway looks? Well, starting with Crystal, I, I laughed out loud when she walked down when she came down the runway because i remember something valkyrie said uh two weeks ago about how you could totally picture uh crystal existing in peewee's playhouse and having like grace jones come and do a christmas number for him yes and then he walks out looking like jombie <laughs> oh that was it was perfect i'm like you literally should be granting me wishes right now done on 80s video effects it was like i go back and forth with myself if i like the asymmetric puffy shoulder but everything else is just perfect. It, again, it's like so perfectly executed and so insane that it just lands at this beautiful moving piece of art. I agree with you. And I, Carson's comment, I don't think I tend to veer towards it just needs to be conventional pretty pageant drag as much as a lot of the judges do for this category or have historically. But I agreed with his assessment that there's a lot going on that could really veer the wrong way, but it does land on like beautiful moving piece of art. Um, and I honestly, I agree with you. My one hang up is I'm not sure the asymmetrical sleeve issue actually does any service to this look, but right. But it is so good that it doesn't really matter. Right. And this is one of those looks that I bet in the room is even more stunning because looking at it on the runway it's kind of the same color palette as the runway and it's very shiny. So it's reflecting a lot of the runway back. So when you just look at it on TV, it's a little soupy, but I bet in person, it's like e even better than what we're seeing. In person, a look like this, that's so iconic and like beautiful moving shades of blue. Like this would get all the dollars at a drag show. Yeah. Totally. Like I would immediately take out my wallet and yeah. So what did you think of Gigi's look? Return to form for Gigi. She's been a little off her game. Uh, this is the Gigi we all immediately fell in love with in the first couple of episodes. It has the high fashion. It has the extremely proficient tailoring. But the, de and, but the detail work and the humor is back. Yes. The headgear, the rough... Like, you, you turned an 80s leisure suit prom tuxedo into this gorgeous piece of high fashion... And you did the headgear in a way that was funny without being ridiculous. Like it's a, it, and again, it's it's a very fine line that could have just looked dumb and like, well, why do you have that on your face? Just take it off. Like it doesn't add anything. The way she rendered it and she, you know, matching the color of the headgear to the bow tie and the shoe, like all of that collectively worked. This this was like Gigi got her groove to the extent she ever lost her groove. She had like two weeks where she wasn't endlessly praised. She'll live, um, but. This was like, oh, right. This was the Gigi that made us laugh out loud and be deeply impressed with the fashion queen uh, in the first uh, two or three episodes. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it takes a tremendous amount of attention to detail and knowledge of aesthetics and iconography in order to 
take the idea of this look and turn into the the idea of this sort of suit and turn it into this type of gown and add the headgear and have it all manage to feel both comedic and high fashion and appropriate for eleganza extravaganza on RuPaul's Drag Race. I think if she didn't look like a runway model, it might be harder, but I still feel like she had to make a lot of very specific choices to make this feel both high fashion and funny. Yeah. And I think she nailed it, and it's it's very hard to stick the landing on something like this. And, and I'll say, like we, we like what we criticized her for last week to a, to an extent was, you know, Daphne was just an easy look for someone who looks like her to pull off. You could put that look on another skinny runway queen, even a very like I don't know, like I love Naomi Smalls, and she's an extremely talented queen. I don't know if it would have worked as well on her as it does on Gigi because of how she of like again it's it's she's not resting on being skinny and pretty to make that look work. I agree. I agree. She absolutely performed it down the runway. Yeah. Um, and there's subtlety to that performance, but it was absolutely performed. Um, what did you think of Jackie's look? Uh, I want to like this more than I do. Okay. Um, I think, I think maybe my, like, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful look and it's something on the f- more fashion end of Jackie's wheelhouse. It's still kind of aesthetically in her, ideal timeline but it's the the high end of it and it's beautifully rendered it's done well uh i don't know if i like the material it's kind of giving me shower curtain yeah and i don't know if i would have liked it more in a more like it doesn't look luxe is i think my problem it looks like beautiful drag costume but it, it doesn't look high end like i think the last look of the main of the primary part of the season should look yeah so maybe in a different material i'd like it more um other than that i looked at when this came down the runway i said to myself it's very good but it is not gooder enough to beat the other things on the runway yes i mean i think jackie this whole time has been serving b drag queen you know she's been in the top several times without winning and i think that that's there's a reason like yeah. everything she does is serviceable and good. It you're not like Tom and Lorenzo said themselves like you knew we knew that she was out when she came down in this because it's cute, it's fun. It's not jaw-dropping, iconic, fierce or original. It's right. like serviceable. And yeah. Jackie has yet to show us anything that isn't just like kind of safe. And when you're yeah. this far along, safe is actually not safe. Right. And it, it is funny to think about it. When you just step back from that look, though, and say, well, that it, it's not going to win this season. But, God, I mean, he, here in quarantine hell, where we're rewatching all the TV, because what else are we going to do with our time? If that walked down the runway in any of the first four seasons, they would have peed themselves with glee yeah you know what i mean it's just it's one of those we have moved the goalposts on these nice ladies <laughs> yeah no i agree i agree <laughs> it's like it's like we're critiquing it because it's not it, it it's like I, I i've made the analogy to the eliminator on american gladiators before where it's like you don't just have to go faster than the person in heady you have to go like faster enough to like offset the deficit and this doesn't do it but it's still it's still a very good look there's nothing wrong with it i will something else tom and Lore- i read the same article uh tom and lorenzo said her her accessory should have matched the hair on the gloves and i agree the jewelry should have been bigger but um 
But yeah, it's like, this is still a good, well-realized look that does actually fit in Jackie's wheelhouse. It wasn't like she abandoned her, you know, Persian housewife living in L.A. aesthetic. She's just giving you the, you know, attending an inauguration version of that person. And it works. And so it's just like, I feel bad for how much we're critiquing it. When you step back, it's still a very pretty, very well-executed look. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's yeah, just not yeah. jaw-dropping when you need to, like, really make a statement. Right. You, you need it to be louder than Crystal and... Louder is maybe not the right word, but, like, like standing between Jada Essence Hall and Crystal Method in their finery, you have to stand out, and this doesn't. And it's just, like, girl, I'm, I, I, I'm sorry. It's, like, you... this isn't even like the harvard of drag this is like the nobel committee of drag right like it's literally the best of the best of the best at this point right um all right so jada comes out in her look looking stunning as always and jamal sims says um coming to america which i loved what did you think of this look oh it's it's gort it's gorgeous it's beautiful she's a model she uh just everything is amazing her hair is so beautiful just oh you get lost in it um the only if i had to summon a critique it would be we've seen that we've seen this before it is her it is like right down the center lane of her style of drag but i'm not going to critique a queen for giving me the best version of her style of drag as the uh and as the last look of the season but it's not like crystals was something i hadn't seen before even from crystal so if I had to like split hairs, but other than that, what a vision. Yeah, no, I agree. I loved it. It's gorgeous. It wasn't enough for me. Like it needed to be extra special in some way. And I feel like Jada is always flawless. I liked it. it this is an actually safe look for me. The, the hair, I love what she did with her hair. It's gorgeous. I love the dimensions that it creates. And the look is stunning. I wish she did something a little extra because this feels like this could have been her runway look for like any week where it would have been applicable. But it is, I mean, it is stunning. She is stunning. I also, I hope she starts powdering her breastplate after seeing the footage because um, I can always spot the text, the synthetic texture of it. Um, Which is crazy because she's so immaculately done otherwise that the fact that she's one of the few queens where it's like, you need to powder that breastplate because it's shiny um, is surprising. But I digress. Um, And then Sherry's look. I love this Mae West kickback. And I love love the color. Um, I think it's very fun and it's the right time to do that kind of look, particularly if you're like a campy vaudeville queen. Um, yeah, what did you think of it? No, I loved it. Um, I think it did a good job of, uh, and it's something she said in the voiceover that they kept, uh, you know, that it's, you you know, as much as you want to look forward and let in all the new kinds of drag, you don't want to let go of the places it's been. And this was a very good iteration of that campy mid-century stuff. Uh, like, yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. It's because of the color and the material, it's, it's the least dense 
of these looks from her, and I think that's why it works so well. Like the between the makeup and the costuming, it didn't read as I'm just doing another old lady. She's doing a young lady from an old time. Yeah, and th- that kind of hair splitting matters. Uh, but yeah, it, it it's a gorgeous look. Like you know, she's a terrible person apparently, but is a good drag queen. Like those are not mutually exclusive. But yeah, I, I can't deny she did she did a very good version. Of her style of drag. And it is a style of drag I like. You know, speaking of someone who was 39 when they were 17, right here. Um, you know, I, I can sit with Louis Fertel and fling uh, Mary Tyler Moore references at each other for hours. So I, I get liking this part of American iconography. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, you, you served me a silver screen legend. I'm going to be here for it. Yeah, no, I gotcha. So, um, all right, so let's go to the judges' critiques and the tops and bottoms. Uh, did you, I guess we just covered the runway, so do you have any thoughts on the judges' critiques, or do you want to just discuss the tops and bottoms? Well, the, it was interesting that they, like, I think the worst I heard was, like, Carson's comment about Crystal's shoulder, something about Jackie holding a little bit back in one of the rap sequences. Like, there was almost no negative critique of any kind it was like listening uh, it was like listening to the critiques at the finale where it's like we're just here to or on an episode of celebrity drag race where it's like it was almost like they were going out of their way to not say something bad not that there was anything bad i think they could have said but it was just it was fascinating to be like we're not even inventing something to nitpick about to lean it like oh you 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 wore a mauve instead of a aubergine, and I'm offended. Like there was not even an attempt to create an artificial uh, hook to hang their hat on. Yeah, it was just a fascinating panel where it's like these really these queens were so good they couldn't even pretend to have a legitimate critique. <laughs> yeah, no, I I fully agree with that, and I do feel like at this point it comes down to. Like, you're not emoting enough with your eyes while you're doing it because everybody else is on point. Like, it truly is that we have to split hairs. All that said, I will say my read of this was Jada was solidly safe and in the center. I felt that Jackie and Gigi did the most emoting and eye contact during the number in a way that, to me, is critical to performance. It's why Gigi won the Madonna Rusical and Jan didn't. Gigi is a star who knows how to communicate with it. She's not an actress or a comedian, but she really does know how to act and be on a stage and make eye contact with the, an audience in a way that says so much along the way. And to me, those two were clearly the top two. Sherry was a little too dead in the eyes and Crystal was a little outdanced by her dancers, like not fully gesturing as much as they were um that to me it was like sherry and crystal were the bottom two jada was safe Gigi and jackie honestly i think jackie won this challenge even with the runway just being safe but i definitely think with report card they were going to send jackie home i think jackie did the best job overall this week i i will i will agree jackie i think turned in the best overall uh, musical performance I want to say I yeah I don't think Crystal should have been in the bottom two with that runway look I think even if you thought her musical performance was center was like you know okay that runway look was so good uh, I if we're gonna put Jackie in the bottom based on report cards I would have put her there with Sherry I think Sherry's 
uh, like bodysuit look at the end of the musical number was like the one point I could say that was actually a weak point. And I would like, yeah. Oh, and again, it was like when Gigi won, I was still like, okay, Gigi gets a win. How do I feel about that? I don't dislike it. She was very good. But do I think she won? Like then I real I had a hard time picking out who I think actually won. And you make a good case for Jackie. She did do a really good job with that, uh, with the with the overall musical performance. And and he, yeah, it's it was kind of a soup. It, it was just the. The thing is, when you have to split hairs, and th- they're making like virtually no mistakes, and it becomes splitting hairs, like how iconic was this look? It's really challenging for me. Jackie had a safe look. That is like a B when you really want to bring an A to this, but she also was to me the standout A plus student of yeah. the musical. Yeah. That like, I mean, I get it. I'm not mad about it, but to me, she won the the episode. Yeah. Even though she went but, home. Um, but I will right. say, you and I episode one called she will be fourth runner up. They have like christened <laughs> her the Bendel, the yeah. Katya, the whatever, and they were yeah. committed on not sending her home until exactly <laughs> then. She did poorly to the point where they should have sent her home, in my opinion, a couple times when she was in the bottom. And then on an episode that she won, they were like, oh, no, you're definitely fourth runner-up. We're sending you home today, even though, in my opinion, she did the best today. Like, that was going to happen come hell or high water. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so on to the lip sync. What did you think? I thought they both did a good job. I thought Jackie was a little more comedically on point with it the whole time. But then when I'd look at Crystal, I think because Crystal's monotone and blended with the stage, it made it... Jackie's gestures were bigger, and I felt like it was drawing visual focus. But then when I would look at Crystal, I'd be like, she's doing the damn thing. So to me, it was a... They were cle- they both did a good job. They were going to send home Jackie no matter what. Yeah, I think I think Jackie did better than Crystal. Not by a huge margin, but yeah. by a noticeable one. And I was going to clock her for leaning on the comedy again, like the same shtick she did in her other lip She does it I'm very like, well. She does it very well. Like, yeah, she leaned on comedy, but she does it very well. And given the song, it wasn't a, you know, stand there and be serious numbers. Like, it was that kind of song. Uh, I, I did like Crystal incorporating the litter box dance movements. I'm like, well, the bitches love their callbacks. That was... Well, well done, ma'am. Yeah, yeah, well done. yeah. No, I, I mean, I'm a little on the fence, and I know I can't be partial, like impartial with, um, with Crystal. But to be honest, I think, I think Jackie won the mini challenge, the maxi challenge, and the lip sync, and they still sent her home because day one they wrote down she will be our fourth runner up, and they were committed to that, no matter what. So, so here's my question. And now that we finally have some confirmation, thank you, finally, World of Wonder, um, that they're just going to do a Zoom finale. You didn't say, and I didn't know any of this. Please tell me. I have not, I've, oh. I, this is not news to me, please. Oh, yeah. So they're going to do, next week, they're going to do like a Zoom sleepover. They're calling it like a sleepover, okay. I, th- I think. Um, and we'll catch up with all the girls and talk about being in quarantine. I'm fascinated to see who looks hottest in their quarantine beard because Honey Davenport earned that throne it's gonna take a lot of work to 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 kick her off of it um 
he was very handsome with that beard. Like, it's a shame his profession demands he shave it, because, whew, very handsome. Anyway, um, and then the finale is going to be them lip-syncing from home. So they confirm that it will air on the date it would have originally aired, and they will just do a lip-sync over the internet. I feel like you're um, telling me, Conde, everything you predicted is happening. So yeah, I, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. All right, go on. I, you know I love so, validation. Keep, keep going. We started this podcast just so we could tell each other and then invite our friends over to tell us that our opinions are correct and interesting. That's our entire modus operandi. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so here's my question about Jackie. So Sherry's out. We know she's out. And it was it was very fun seeing the like, are you team Gigi, team uh, Jada, or team Crystal? And nothing. It was great. Um, if you're Jackie and they say, now that Sherry's out, would you, if you were Jackie, would you want to be in the top four under those circumstances? Do you think that they're going to do that? I, they have, I did not see anything one way or the other. I um, can't imagine they would do that, given that they've aired this. I think they're just going to go back to a top three. I, there's not a version. I can't imagine World of Wonder making that decision. I think Jackie would take it as an opportunity, though have a little question marks about it, and be in a place where she was like, I'm going to try my best to highlight myself in a way that is just another opportunity to brand myself in a way that will have positive repercussions for the rest of my career. But also, I, I will not win this. It's no longer an option for me. No, that yeah. said, I, I'm almost certain World of Wonder did not ask that. So what do you, what do you think is actually going to happen in the finale? I am curious what your speculations are. For, for a lip sync finale, I'm guessing they would go back to that season eight format. I like, uh, here's a, do a song, whether it would be a produced song or a, just a lip sync to someone else's song. I don't know. I think they've had enough time. Like it's been like, it's been about what we're two months into the quarantine. I think it's been clear about two weeks into the quarantine that we weren't doing a live finale with human beings in the same place. That's enough time for the production team to throw together uh, uh, Fat Feminasian, Purse First, and Legs. Um, sure. So I I want them to do original songs because I agree. That season eight finale was amazing. And I think it works so well uh, because those songs feel like those songs are really good and feel really like a commercial for the Queen. Yeah. I think I would like I would enjoy that more than them lip syncing to a different pop song. Yes, I agree with that. Uh, and I think it's harder without backup dancers, given that they're stuck at home. So we'll see. But I think watching an individual queen lip sync in her own like apartment feels a little odd. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious how they will do it. Uh, I kind of hope they lean into the how weird it is and how low tech or like high tech, but low tech it is where it's like, you know, we, we've talked about before how this is kind of, you know, it's become the gravitational center of drag and it's much more polished and it's much more mainstream than it, than it ever was. I kind of want them to lean in and be like, this is drag as it would have looked like in the 1980s in a club in New York. You know, like I, if they're, if they can't have the big stage and the big ballroom, Go back to the, go back to your roots. Like f- find that like makeshift. Like, like drag was makeshift, and I kind of want. I, I think it would be a really interesting 
show if they leaned into it. And I think it would be a really interesting final test for the queens because they are all amazing queens, but they are all of the era of practiced, polished, prepared. I would actually really like to see what Crystal and Gigi and Jada all did if we gave them something closer to crunchier era of drag i think that would be really interesting to see i feel like all three of them are queens who know how to how to make something at home you know like i i love i love that this is our top three i love all three of them i see so much good and talent and artistry in all of them and like star power you you know for a while i've been like i want crystal method in the top four more than anybody else like halfway through the season I was like gunning for it so I am elated I'm very excited I do think that these are these are three queens who I think can handle having to to do something homemade in this crazy time so um yeah which is promising who do you think's gonna win it who do, who do I think's gonna win or who do I want to win I would like to know both okay want to win crystal same and it's a it's a close it's a close call they're all staggering i just think crystal represents even something that evie like i like the there's a thread of thought on the internet just the one uh, that basically crystal can't win because evie won last time even though they're kind of weird outsiders i see them as from different planets of drag they're totally different people like, yeah. just because they're sort of original creature feature arty drag queens doesn't... I wouldn't draw any parallels to them beyond, like, that broad categorization. Totally, yeah. Um, and who do I think will win? I think I think it'll be Crystal or Jada. I don't know why, but I don't see Gigi winning it. Okay. It's it's it's. I don't really have an articulated argument for it, but I just think... Maybe the fear would be, it would feel like a, oh, well, that was predictable. Like, like it's not that Gigi is just the skinny white pretty queen, but I don't know. It feels like the giving her a win would still feel like a, like, do I think Crystal, like, here's the thing. Crystal has the goods. She hasn't been coasting. She hasn't, she hasn't exhausted her bag of tricks. I really think she has what it takes to win it. And given that they have been making such conscious efforts to expand what they consider drag on the show, that does kind of make Crystal the perfect uh, candidate to win for that kind of macro level stuff. But Jade and Gigi are so fucking good that it's not going to be intolerable if either of them takes it. Yeah. I mean, as a fan, any of them winning, I would be like, yeah, bitch earned it. Like, I feel... It's almost like a, it's not indifference, but it is like, I love them all. I see so much one, like that is wonderful in all of them. I think Crystal has been in the top three with, with only like several times, but has only won one, which means that I think she is less likely to win it. Um, and I don't, I don't necessarily agree with the criteria that puts that sort of out there, but I would love to see her win. And I think her calibrating her much more avant-garde drag to like still be her but fit within the boxes they were asking for is a real talent and she did it near seamlessly and i was i'm very impressed any one of them winning i'm like like 
I feel, you know, happy for any of them to win. Um, I, I think Crystal's less likely, but she is who I would like to win. I really cannot, like, if you ask me who do you think is going to win, I don't know. I really don't know. On some level, I feel like Jada is the perfect pageant girl who is visually stunning all the time. Even when she's self-conscious about a performance, like a dance performance, she still, like, pulls it out because she has, like, a fierceness and a commanding stage presence that she's able to make almost anything work. The only time we ever saw her flounder, really, was the stand-up challenge, which I get stand-up is challenging. Like, it's hard to... It's it's hard to wing that. Um, but I just think she has so much going for her, and Rue has never crowned, like, a pageant queen. And this is a pageant queen who's shown that she's, like, a fierce, fall-busting, corseted to the gods, looks like a runway model, like, stunning drag queen, but also, like, has shown, like, vulnerability and emotionality and she's been extremely emo like she's not easy to work with when she's stressed but she's not like a terrible person by any means and she's super supportive and builds up the other girls in the workroom and in untucked every week um that i think i think the show has kind of pigeonholed and looked over pageant queen so long that if there's ever a year where you're gonna be like i mean this gorgeous black pageant queen who has won challenges of a variety of sorts and always is perfectly composed and is very sweet and almost maternal like she's a little bit of like you're a tough bitch i wouldn't want to fuck with you in an alley but also you're extremely loving and supportive and i feel like if they're ever going to give it to a pageant girl it's going to be this one do you know what i mean yeah um i'm i gotta say i am i haven't been this excited for a finale maybe since God, nine? Yeah. Like, like Sasha Velour might have been the last time I was like... Oh, no, like, I was really like... on the edge of my seat for nine, for yeah. sure. I didn't even know if yeah. I wanted Sasha or Shay. I loved them both yeah. so much. It was like a real... Yeah. Like, I don't know. And with this, it's like, I love all three of these girls. I would yeah. love Crystal Method to get it. I think she's the least likely to get it. Yeah. Um, But, I, like... If whatever whoever wins, I'm going to be happy for them. And obviously, like winning isn't everything. This is a huge boost to both Gigi and Crystal's careers. So. Yeah. And speaking of loving them, I'm excited to see. Like, I'm excited to see Widow. I'm excited uh, to see Rockham. I'm excited to see Heidi. Like, I, I there's not a bad apple in the bunch. Other like, than the one just, bad apple. Not just the one. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I see. I've I've successfully. Uh, d- deleted her. She's just gone now. Um, she's been disqualified. I don't even have to think about her anymore. Um, she won't even be on the reunion or on the finale, she right? Won't. So this is the she last won't. time we'll see her. Yep. That's crazy. Okay. I know. Uh, what a what a time to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like even Aiden. Aiden was out of her depth, but not a bad person. I'm curious what she's done with her free time in the last couple of months. <laughs> she also very tactfully handled all the social media attention. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I agree. She was out of her depth, but there was she had something that I think a lot of people missed because they were preoccupied with. She keeps wearing the same wig. She wasn't yeah. ready for this competition. But I do think if she was a working drag queen in New York City for two years, she'd be ready for this competition and you'd be impressed with what she brought. Right. And there's always that one queen each season where it's like, 
Rue saw a glimmer, a distant glimmer, and is giving you is flinging you into the deep end to see what happens. And sometimes those queens are it really works out for them. Yeah, so yeah. you know the Layla McQueen was one who I felt like there was more to her, and she was only on two episodes, and it they really didn't like play to her strengths. She is somebody yeah. who has done a lot since then and works closely with a lot of these girls. I know that she's actually done a lot of the makeup on Celebrity Drag Race. Celebrity, yeah. Um, she's somebody who I would like to see come back where it was just like, she was very young when we cast her and she was out second episode. So she's just on season 13. Like, I don't want yeah. her on an All-Stars. I want her to get a second chance five years later. Yeah. And I, I also feel like she's earned it. Yeah. But Celeb. Yeah, the, the 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 ladies on Celebrity Drag Race are gorgeous. Yeah, so yeah. All right. Speaking of Celebrity Drag Race, uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break, make those pennies, and uh, be back to talk about it. Isolated at home, desperate for human contact, but afraid of risking the other side of your front door, wondering if you still remember the scent of a man. Distant Daddy Deliveries is here to help. Once a week, we'll send a handsome silver fox to your home who will maintain six feet of physical distance and a world of emotional distance, just like your real father. Do you find you miss the feeling of never being good enough? Do you ache for disapproving silence? Have you finally given in to the fact that you'll only ever love men who will never love you back? Distant Daddy Deliveries is here for you. And Reading Drag Race has a special offer code just for you. Go to the website and enter the code FREUDIAN for all your disapproving father figure needs. And for those of you looking for the opposite experience, we'll be setting up our other service where we send you an oversharing mother with no boundaries, whose well-intentioned support still sometimes feels oppressive like a weighted blanket, next week. And we're back, and it's time to talk about the final installment of Secret Celebrity Drag Race. So, this one felt, I don't know, I don't want to say let down because that sounds meaner than I mean it to say. But I was not, you know, given life the way I was the last two weeks. Okay. Um, it felt hollow, I guess. There we go. Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's a useful word. Yeah. Um, when a pretty girl who is very much like a female ideal who can sing is like, you know... The whole world has all these expectations on me. And people always project, first off, you're barely a celebrity. I'm sure you're Long Island town. A lot of girls are really judgmental of you because you have a small celebrity. And the parallels you're drawing are heavy-handed but hollow. At least they're ringing that way to me. But I don't want to invalidate your experience. It was a little, like, I love P.B. Robinson, but it was a little like, okay, this 10 out of 10 is complaining about how hard life is for her. Nah. Yeah. I mean, I love... So let's 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 get the bureaucratic crap out of yeah. the way. Uh, the three contestants were Phoebe Robinson. Whom I love. Co-host of... Who I love. Two Dope Queens is a great show. I also loved her other like solo podcast, So Many White Guys. Same. I, that was a good show. And then uh, Haley Kiyoko and Madison Beer. Um, I was not familiar with either of these people okay. before tonight's episode. Madison Beer talking made me feel a thousand years old. And I'm only 650, so that's really saying something. Indeed. 
Um, yeah. So, all right. More, do, is there anything else bureaucratic you want to get through before we move into just chatting about it? Oh, I, oh and, and and the three the three queens, uh, Alyssa Edwards, uh, back for another episode, and then Vanessa, Vanjie Mateo, and Monique Hart, whose mere presences were a salve on my wounded psyche yeah. in this The Darkest yeah, Time. They're all chaotic good. Um, so I was very excited <laughs> to have them here because they're all chaotic good in their own yeah. ways. I've said a couple times on this podcast before, I feel very strongly that Monique Hart and Banji both have a chaotic good energy of somebody who watched a lot of daytime television in the 90s. And I would love, love, love if there was a Queens who like to watch with Banji and Monique Hart watching reality television or anything like that. I think their I think their chaos is complimentary. I think they would I think they would be gangbusters. I I want someone to produce this. World of Wonder. Do a little do a little fashion photo review with them and see if you can make magic happen. I, I gotta say they they both really manage a kind of they've maintained their effortlessness. Yeah. Even as they have gotten better as as drag queens yes. and performers, and that's that's not the easiest thing to do. Like it's real easy to get in your head and stay there. And there's something just joyously artless. And I don't mean to, I don't say artless as talentless. I mean artless as effortless. Yes, where they're just charming and funny and out there. Yes. And yeah, it's it's a delight. And watching the two of them interact, like I, I would watch them give color commentary on literally any human endeavor. Yeah. Oh no, for sure. And I loved that Monique Hart's first guest guess for who they were was Keisha Cole. I have, I have recovered from a couple breakups listening to, I change my mind. I don't love you. Say what you want about Keisha Cole, but that was so Monique Hart to choose that as her first guest. Like, that was way to pull back into 2005, honey. I love it. Back to the episode and the contestants. What did you think as a whole? I kind of think they should have swapped out this week and last week. In ter- in terms of creating, like, a four-episode miniseries, I, I, th- I think last week would have been a much stronger note to go out on. I agree. Maybe it's because I found Madison Beer kind of whatever, and I didn't really know two out of the three of them, but this one just left me cold is not quite the word, but it didn't, it didn't like have episodes two and three between Vanessa Williams, Vanessa motherfucking Williams, and then last week's shockingly deep talent pool. This episode by comparison was just a little meh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, uh, I I get. I love Phoebe as a comic, and I've obviously followed her career. I certainly understand the. I'm bashful, and I have to be able to like blend in with the boys who I've like become friends with, taking this improv class or whatever that I do comedy sets with, and I'm always like the only girl, and often the only person of color, and like I have to like downplay my femininity or whatever. I get it, and I get her connection to drag. Also, having followed her career for years, she is a super fan. Like, she's always been a super fan of the show. She she knows drag. Yeah. She loves drag. She sees it in New York City. She knows these queens and has for years. She's, like, a super fan. Um, and I get her saying that getting all dolled up in this performance art and kind of 
emulating a female superhero like will make her feel more confident owning her presence anywhere she is like i get it um the other two it just felt like you're like a gen z rising pop star and one of you like could genuinely get a modeling contract so the attempts to connect to the queer narrative within drag even though i know Haley kyoko is is a lesbian um performer i don't know both of them it felt maybe it's because i don't know them but it felt pretty one-dimensional i was kind of not moved it felt like the thing you come here to say on an episode of drag race in the 21st century yeah and i i was just i was underwhelmed i i had fun with it but it was for me it was the least entertaining of all the episodes of celebrity drag race yeah, the first one had a wacky, zany, what the hell are any of us doing here energy, which perfectly mirrored its place in the yep. world. Because that's what I was feeling at that moment. Episodes two and three were just straight up, shockingly good performances up and down the lot. Yes. And then this was kind of, this was what I expected all four episodes to be. And if it were, I wouldn't be mad, but I wouldn't be excited. Yes. So... It was just kind of there for Same. me. I agree. Um, what did you think of the group performance? I felt like Haley Kyoko really stood out because she got because she was lip syncing to Vanji, and Vanji's funny as fuck. Yeah, and I'm not discrediting her. Like I don't know how well the other two would have done that, but I also feel like you're in a great position if you're the one lip syncing to Vanji going off like comedy gold. It was good. I felt like this episode as a whole gave them less room to maneuver. It's something I thought about the mini challenge too. Like I was expecting someone to spontaneously make the joke about throwing, they were doing the showgirls riff and I expected them, someone to just make a joke about, Oh, I'm going to like throw these beads all over the floor to trip a bitch up. But it was in the script. Like the minute after I thought that, then I saw them all make the same joke that was in the script in their hand. Yeah. It was kind of like weirdly structured. Like, like it's almost like they didn't trust them to find the obvious showgirls jokes. And if there is a place to find obvious jokes, it's the plot of seminal 20th century piece of American cinema, showgirls. Yeah. So it it felt slightly open maybe and maybe that's part of my disconnect too it felt slightly overstructured in that it allowed the queens less organic room to find themselves as drag performers i agree and i feel like the way that they've been judging this is so i don't know it, it particularly tonight but overall i feel like it's been very that's what drag does it transforms you like heal the world um and it feels very this is designed to like entice and normalize drag as an art form to straight audiences um like i mean we've said this before it feels distinctly not for queer people and i uh i've read a lot of articles that have talked about how the past decade were like the queer decade the lgbt rights movement moved along so much because it spent so much time sort of universalizing narratives of marginalization and feeling not quite like you fit in and everybody being like allowed to be themselves. Um, And we've won, you know, marriage equality, pushing those narratives. And they are, I mean, 
I subscribe to them. I believe in them. I've given speeches like that myself. I am curious what you think of this show being in this place where it's so almost formulaic and prescriptive that these, you know, D-list celebrities are supposed to come on and connect their experience to like a larger queer narrative in the most sort of opaque way. I'm, I'm at this like very ambivalent place where I, I, I appreciate the utility of this kind of storytelling. It's kind of like the first round of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy where it's like as much as we can critique it for being gay minstrelsy and it's not an inaccurate critique, I also understand this is how the world works. And if you don't get people in power to empathize with you, you're not going to get anywhere. And this is how we do that. So we do it. I don't mind the entire world drawing strength or positivity or a personal lesson from queer narratives. I think that's, that's great. That, that is actually what storytelling is for. You tell stories to let other people into the story. That's, that's what, that's what acting and that's what all art is basically doing. I also get the kind of companion criticism where it starts to feel like all of this gay art was just to make pretty straight white women feel better about themselves. Okay. I get it. Yeah, no, I I hear you. I got I don't know how to say this. Um I certainly understand Haley Kyoko's uh statement. I've I've friend I have a friend who's a femme lesbian who used to live in Chicago and moved to LA and what's funny is in Chicago she felt like she had to like have a short haircut etc to be like seen and taken seriously as a lesbian but in LA she if she just says she's a lesbian people believe her and she can have long blonde hair without getting like scrutinized for it and it's very funny because she said she has said that she feels like she's able to be her most authentic self in LA which is antithetical to how many people think of Los (laughs) Angeles, which I think is very funny. Uh, Further, I feel like parallels between misogyny and women being sort of ostracized and judged and put in a box and reduced, parallels that you can draw between that and homophobia and even just like gay men not being able to be seen as leaders beyond like discrimination in the same way that women aren't like those parallels are very clear to me. And I feel like I've had those conversations and I've heard those conversations and those are clear to me. So they're not making the most compelling television, especially when the main series explores those things much more in depth with queer, queer contestants over like, you know, 12 episodes. Um, I would say that I also find it more compelling to hear cis het men talk about how restrictive gender norms are for cis het men because i do think being at the top of the patriarchy but also that being defined by not being able to do nearly anything that expresses any sort of artistic insight or personality is an odd situation and i've always just been an unapologetically direct and femme bitch so like i can't relate Um, but I am curious as to what do, like, for me, it's like, I'll just do a drag costume for Halloween for funsies, NBD, and I've been in that mindset for at least two decades now. What is it like to be a cishet man and for all of this stuff to be scary, but also tantalizing and 
utterly verboten. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's more intrigue there for me as a viewer, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's certainly more novelty. It's not a discussed thing. Like, I, I certainly agree with the general thesis that misogyny and homophobia are two sides of the same yeah. coin. But I think for for us, that's that was a given in the 90s. We knew that when we were gabies. Like, so it's just not as interesting television. It, it's funny you say that about the, the cishet guys, because I literally texted you this while I was watching it. I, I If you haven't watched the... If you did watch Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and haven't seen the interactive episode they just dropped on Netflix, what a treat. What a fucking delight that whole operation was. And John Hamm and Daniel Radcliffe are in it. And it is fascinating to watch these two guys literally vibrating with glee at the bananas characters they get to play. Like, they are clearly having the most fun. And it kind of drove home something. Uh, it drove home Dustin Milligan's comment from last week for me where it's like... it. it it's kind of funny, like, my, my my intro was referencing the BoJack Horseman recurring joke about Margot Martindale. And if you think about it, the entire idea of a character actor is insane. Yes. We have to have secondary people come in to have real humanity and emotional arcs and journeys because that's not for our protagonist. The only difference being not enough people want to fuck the character actor to make them the lead actor. It's kind of bananas that the lead character isn't a character. It has to be such a blank Yeah, it just slate. drove home for me how boring. Like, like even uh, John Hamm with Don Draper. Don Draper is a fascinating, dysfunctional person, but the bulk of his character is forcibly choosing not to respond to things. Like, yeah, it, it really emphasized how much lead male actors are defined by the absence of a personality. Oh, totally, totally. And women project, like, talking to straight women who loved Game of Thrones because they just wanted to fix Jon Snow was just the weirdest anthropological experience <laughs> while that show was on. I feel like every gay man I know is like, I mean, I'd take him home, but I wouldn't let him stay the night. Like, pouty with daddy issues, but a per mathematically perfect ass. Like, <laughs> we're going to have some fun, but, like, lighten up kitten um <laughs> and and john ham had commented several times that he and john slattery like john slattery got all the amazing one-liners and they would have both been much happier swapping roles like he gets cast as that kind of stoic male protagonist but that's very much not who, what he wants to do in acting yeah so. so i think what it boils down to is that on some level watching straight men grapple in any way with with their gender and what it means to them feels a little transgressive N not the most transgressive certainly but it still feels at the very least unusual and drag i think is at its best when it is a little transgressive when it is pushing a boundary and stories of women finding you know confidence uh through the help of their gay male friends certainly isn't you know the most unusual story ever and what i think sets episode two apart was that even though they're kind of similar narratives, they were packaged in fewer platitudes. And there was just a raw talent quotient that made that episode a screaming joy to watch. And I don't want it to sound like I'm being dismissive of the stories they told us. I do take to heart, you know, uh, uh, talking about, you know, being too femme, but not femme enough, or being 
girly enough to be accepted in straight spaces, but not so girly as to be threatening in them. All of those things are, are true, valid, real things. But that being true doesn't automatically make a TV show an entertaining hour of television. And the end result for this one, unfortunately, was kind of eh. Yeah. Eh. Is exactly it. All right. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to discuss before we wrap this up? No, I think I can only I, I think I can only modulate the pitch and intonation of the word eh so many ways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen. Um, please follow us on Instagram at Reading Drag Race Podcast. I've been Condé Nasty. I'm Hersula the Sea Bitch. Bye. Bye.